This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Good morning. My dear friends in Christ, just nod your head if you've ever felt some of these frustrations. Why is it that some people can pull straight A's without seemingly cracking a book while other people have to struggle and struggle to get C's and D's? How come it is that when I'm in a rush to get somewhere, I always end up behind the pokiest driver on the road? Why is it that some people seem to have all the skill on the athletic field and others are always tripping over their own feet? When I'm happy to break even, why is it that some people seem to have a magic touch with every investment they make? Why is it that some people's lives end early? Or people suffer with debilitating chronic illnesses, and other people seem to live in good health well into old age. It's just not fair, is it? Life isn't fair. Can you and I deal with that? Please don't misunderstand me. You and I should never stop being advocates for fairness and justice. But our efforts aren't always going to bring about the results that we're hoping for. In fact, as long as we're living in this imperfect world, we probably are going to be disappointed that things are less than fair. That's okay. Because God has something planned for us that's far better than fair. In Matthew chapters 19 and 20, Jesus' disciples were especially concerned about fairness. And putting it in context, Jesus had just had a conversation with a man who came up to him and said, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Jesus told him, If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. The young man responded, All these I have kept, what do I still lack? And then when Jesus instructed him, Go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and then come follow me, the young man went away sad. Jesus had to teach him that of all the commandments, he hadn't even kept the first one. He loved his stuff his possessions more than God and more than his neighbor in need. And this whole conversation left the disciples just horribly confused because this young man seemed to have all his stuff together. He was young and already so successful that he was rich and the Gospels tell us he was a leader in his community. And then from everything he says, he also was very religious, pious, and pure. And so when the disciples saw 
this man go away dejected, they said, if he can't, who then can be saved? And Peter complained, we have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? So for all of their following Jesus, they wanted to make sure that they would be fairly compensated. It's kind of like kids comparing their sacks of candy after Halloween. Or the children at a birthday party comparing the slices they got of the birthday cake. What they didn't understand is that God wants us to forget about fear because he has something much better in mind for us. And Jesus explained it when he taught a parable about workers in a vineyard. He said, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. In the, par in the parable, a landowner was looking for workers for his vineyard, he went to the marketplace. He found some men who were standing there unemployed. They agreed to terms. They would work for one denarius for the day. That was the standard day's wage. These men were happy to work, and they went to work. But then, Jesus tells us, the same landowner went back to the marketplace at 9 a.m., at noon, at 3, and at 5 and hired more unemployed men to work in his vineyard. This time, he didn't have a fixed agreement with them. He simply promised to pay them whatever is right. Now, we'd assume that, you know, they'd understand. They didn't work a full day. They wouldn't get a full day's wage. But they were still happy to work. But problems arose when pay time came. Jesus said, the master ordered his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about the 11th hour, that's the 5 p.m. people, they came and each received a denarius. So when, those, so when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. It just didn't seem fair. But Jesus explains that it is much better than fair. It's pure generosity on the part of that master, that landowner. He said, friend, I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? And he doesn't even go on to remind them that they were actually unemployed when he found them there in the marketplace at 6 a.m. This parable was really spoken first for God's Old Testament people, the Israelites. 
They were the first hired. They, they had been part of God's covenant. They had known his promise of the Savior. They had known his mercy and grace for thousands of years. But then, at the beginning of the New Testament era, God called people from all nationalities to faith in the world's Messiah, Jesus. And this was a horrible frustration for those early Jewish believers. Because suddenly, all these strangers came streaming into God's church. And suddenly, they were sharing in the same blessings of the covenant, the same forgiveness, the same relationship with God, the very same Messiah that God's people, those first workers hired, had. We have to ask, are you and I lifelong Christians? Do we ever feel that unfairness? I mean, how is it fair that someone who has never volunteered at church, never made an offering, never went to Sunday school, suddenly gets to hear the same word of forgiveness? Know the same wonderful God. How is it fair that people a generation from now will enjoy the same blessing? How is it fair that we receive that legacy from generations before us? I mean, how is it fair that the Holy Spirit leads someone to repentance and faith on their deathbed and that person receives the same welcome into heaven as someone who's been a believer for their whole life. God is gracious. He says, rejoice with the angels of heaven that another sinner has received the gift of life. Now, this is a great time to pause and talk about an important distinction between fear and just. Just is a judgment that's made on the basis of authority and an absolute standard. Fair is very often a, a personal judgment, an, inter, an, a, a, an individual judgment about what's right or wrong. So, it's justice that if I drive 60 miles an hour in the 55 zone, I have broken the law. But I will cry, unfair, unfair, because I get a ticket for 60, and I saw people pass me at 70, right? It is justice that mom or dad gets to divide the nuggets and fries 50-50 for their two children. But I cry, unfair, unfair, because my share looks like 48%. Jesus wants me to ask, do I really want God to be perfectly fair? That is, perfectly just in dealing with me. Just think about that, what that means. In Romans chapter 2, Paul describes what ju the justice of God perfectly looks like. He says, 
to those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, but glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good, for God does not show favoritism. That's perfectly just. No favoritism. No generosity. A blessed reward for the good and punishment for the wicked. And we know there's a problem with this, right? Because Paul goes on in Romans 3 to say, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have altogether become worthless. There is no one who does, does good, not even one. If I really want God to be fair, that is, in the sense of justice, I want him to deal with me for every wrong I've done and every good thing I should have done but avoided. And where would that leave us? That would place me right now separated from God and also set to receive his punishment forever. And then, my narrow-minded view of fairness so often leads me to a selfish desire for God's true justice on others. I'll bet this has happened to you. I'm watching the news, and I hear about some horrible criminal who's hurt people right here in my community, or I hear about the horrible terrorism of ISIS on the other side of the world, I want God to just send a thunderbolt and zap them. I mean, after all, they're horribly harming their neighbor, they're defying what God says. But where would you and I be if God dealt with us on the same terms? Just picture that. Every time a bitter word came out of my mouth, harming my spouse or my neighbor or that relative who just always gets under my skin, every time I let a curse slip, dishonoring the God of the universe, what if he would just let that justice rain down? What if he'd zap me? What if for every time my eyes were filled with lust and my heart was filled with bitterness, God just said, I told you so. You better get used to it. That's justice. But God is more than just. Or fair. God is generous. So even though his wrath should rain down on those public sins of others, and those sins I hold so privately and dearly. Instead, he chooses to be generous. He chooses to be gracious with unconditional love, generous love for those who don't deserve it. And he's de determined to give it, just like the owner of that vineyard. Now, please realize how totally, totally, totally unfair grace actually is. 
how is it fair that my sins, the evil I commit, should be laid on the shoulders of someone else? I mean, how in the world is it fair that the only innocent person who has ever lived on this planet should be convicted of a capital crime, nailed to die on a cross, sent to hell in your place and mine? It's absolutely not fair. It's way better than fair. It's grace. And then, how is it fair that you became a child of God on the day of your baptism? God chose you to be his. God washed your sins away. He adopted you into his family. I mean, that's way better than fair. That's grace. That's God's generosity. How is it fair that when the pressure and stress of life really get you down, you have as your resource the love and promise and comfort of the God of the universe. How is it fair that when I really screw up and destroy my life, tear my relationships apart, that I still have the forgiveness of God and the promise of heaven? It's way better than fair, isn't it? It's sort of ironic that in 21st century America, we have this horrible thing about picking at the 1% who seem to have all the money, all the goods, all the fame, when you realize God's the one who gave. Are we picking at God's generosity? And you realize that you and I are the spiritual one percenters? We've got all the blessings. We've got all the goods. We've got the love of God. Do you realize that Jesus prayed to the Heavenly Father and said, Heavenly Father, you have loved them as much as you love me. You've got the promise that God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. That's way beyond fair. That's amazing, amazing generosity. But still, life is not fair. What should we do about that? Well, I can look over the congregation right here, and I know that there's an uneven distribution of gifts, an uneven distribution of wealth, of talents and abilities, of good looks, of relationships, of family, of careers. I look through the parking lot, and I think I've got the crappiest car. I regularly covet Pastor Bill's ability to preach. But you realize what an amazing testimony that is to the generosity of God, who gives beyond what any of us really deserves. And then I realize that that car I drive was actually a gift to me. It was an inheritance from my sister who died unexpectedly and only got to enjoy it for about five months. 
and it gets me around beautifully and has for about five years now. And you realize, I get to do what every pastor secretly yearns to do every week. I get to sit there right with you in one of those chairs and hear Pastor Bill proclaim this beautiful grace of God to me. It's all about God's generosity, God's grace. And can we learn to celebrate that generosity of God? Both to ourselves and also and maybe especially to others? It's way better than fair. And it's our God's very nature to be that good and be that generous. And as his people, can we make that our nature as well? To that we can say amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.